You're listening to Australia Top Talk. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into today's podcast. Hope you're all staying warm this winter because it is absolutely freezing. Um, but thank you for joining us. Now, today I'm going to be talking about a topic that I feel is quite overdue. And that is English second language students and the Lantite exams. Now, I'm just going to preface this by saying that most of what I'm going to be talking about today um, is more geared towards the literacy exam than the numeracy exam because maths is fairly universal. While English can be very particular, it has um, a set of very tedious rules that can be quite hard to follow when it's not your native language. So that's what we're going to mainly be discussing today. And, you know, while it's sort of easy to start off with some basic rules, if you're learning English um, as someone who doesn't speak English as their first language, um, it can be sort of easy to start off with. But then as you move towards fluency, it can become very unpredictable and very difficult to master. English is quite a difficult language to learn, um, especially for, as an example, um, Chinese students whose language is mainly based on more um, images and like visual um, visual language than English, which is very abstract using like lots of letters. Um, and it's no wonder that students from those backgrounds find this very difficult to learn. Um, And not only is it, you know, quite difficult for English second language students, but even um, a lot of um, native English speakers can find English quite daunting or difficult. Um, And that's, you know, either because they might have left school at a young age, they might have had learning difficulties, they might have just had bad experiences with a teacher or just at school in general. So there's lots of different reasons. Um, But what I'm going to be talking about today is mainly for those students who don't speak English um, natively. So I thought this would be something uh, really important to discuss and to go over because uh, the majority of students that I teach are English second language um, and they do struggle with literacy quite a bit. Um, But while I do teach many native English speakers, non-English speaking students are my primary demographic. So that's why I thought um, recording this episode today would be super helpful for them. Um, I've had to also adapt quite a few of my own teaching practices to suit their needs um, because learning English when it is not your primary language is very overwhelming and very daunting. I can't speak from my own experience because I am not bilingual. I only know English. Um, So I can't really relate to that, but I can imagine how overwhelming and how difficult that must be, especially when you're living in a country where um, everyone speaks English primarily and that is not your primary language. Um, So that is part of the reason as well why I thought I would want to delve into this today. Um, So firstly, I just want to sort of address this misconception that um, many people, so non-English speakers, English speakers, 
hold this misconception, right? That because ESL students were not born in Australia, that they do not, you know, possess the ability to pass the literacy exam or that they can't pass. Um, I can understand why people would have this um, impression, why they would think this, but speaking from my own experience, it is absolutely not true. I have had the pleasure of working with so many students um, who identify as non-English speaking or as English second language, and they have all had success in their land height exams. So it might take them a little bit longer, depending on their pre-existing, you know, knowledge and their foundations, but they can and they do pass. So that is not an excuse to not pass the land type. It is definitely possible. You just need to maybe work a little bit harder than someone who does naturally speak English as their first language. So it's, it's difficult, but it can definitely be done just to give some of you some hope out there. Um, so a lot of what I focus on doing in sessions, um, with students who don't speak English as their first language is getting acquainted with their background. So this is relevant for me firstly, so I can adjust lessons as required, but I'm also very fascinated, you know, personally with learning about other cultures and their customs. Um, Australia is a very diverse country, so this is the kind of stuff we need to be learning um, so that we can make sure our society is um, is equal and that, you know, we're giving everyone the same opportunities regardless of their background. And I think it's just something that we all need to do. We all need to have a little bit of understanding about other cultures and other countries. Um, so also understanding um, that part of the student's background and their education, um, it's also important for me because it gives me a better idea of how I can help. Um, and it also lets me know what kind of adjust- adjustments might need to be made for that student. Um, approaching students with sensitivity, with compassion, with respect for their backgrounds is really critical for me as a tutor because I need to also have that connection with them. Um, You know, I can't just log on. I can't just start teaching them English. If I don't know them, I don't know their background. Um, You can't really be an effective teacher if you're just sort of waltzing in, giving them, you know, maybe the intellectual information, but you're not taking that time to bond with them and connect with them, um, which I think is really important. Because that initial bond influences and affects not just our relationship together moving forward with learning, but it also affects how that client receives information from me and it affects how they sort of interpret that as well. So they have to be comfortable enough to ask questions, to say, I don't know, or, you know, to ask me to re-explain something for them. We have to have that bond together in order for it to be, you know, a good experience for both of us. But what I really want to talk about in this episode and what I really want to focus on is if you are an English second language student and you're planning on sitting the literacy land height, 
what practical measures can you take to improve and become fluent in English? So I'm always talking to my ESL clients about this um, and sort of checking in with them to make sure that they're implementing these suggestions at home. Um, But it's really important to make sure that you are not just sort of checking into tutoring sessions and you think that's enough. You've really got to seek out um, a lot of study opportunities at home. And so that's something that I really prioritize from the get-go with all of my students is giving them practical things they can do at home to kind of help further the study. Because if we only have an hour a week together or even two hours a week, um, it's not much. So you need to have something at home to keep you going and to help facilitate that learning. So once I have a sense of a student's ability, I can then sort of offer some tailored recommendations that will you know, suit that particular person and what I think they need. But generally speaking, there's a few core things that every student wanting to improve their English can do. Now, the first tip, this one is quite overused, I think, and I think people get a little bit sick of hearing this, um, but it is definitely important, and that is to read every single day. I think this is extremely crucial. Um... Like I said, this this tip is, you know, done to death sometimes, but that's because it is one of the most solid ways to intake and to learn English. When you read, you're learning comprehension because you're following the plot for story or you're following an argument or a structure. You're learning spelling and vocabulary because you're reading the words on the page Um, You're taking them in, you're learning what they mean, and you're learning punctuation because you will notice how, you know, moving or changing a few symbols completely changes the function and also the impacts of a sentence on the reader. So this is something that I always suggest to everyone, regardless of their English fluidity. Reading, you know, is also just a fun habit to get into. (laughs) I think a lot of people who say they don't enjoy reading maybe haven't given it a fair shot. Um, I might be biased because I love to read, but I think that if you really do try to give it a fair shot, it's something that everyone can get into. Um, So yeah, reading is a huge one. Um, and my clients, you know, when they start tutoring with me, they'll also get like a list from me of books and articles that I particularly recommend reading. And what you want to really avoid are things like magazines, blogs, and the like. So they really use a lot of colloquial language, um, or cultural slang. And like, that's okay. Sometimes I'm not saying you can never read that. Um, but because you're studying for an exam, you want to make sure that you're focusing on things like novels and scholarly articles. And really, the idea there is to challenge yourself by exposing yourself to new words and phrases that you wouldn't really otherwise see or hear. Things that you would never come across in, you know, a woman's weekly magazine. So you need to really try and focus on those more scholarly texts than just a random uh, magazine. Um, all right. So the next tip um, that I want to move on to is 
recording your learning. So it's not enough to just pick up a book and to start reading it. You need to really actively engage with that book. Um, And if there's something that you don't understand or that you come across, whether that's a phrase or it's a word um, or it's some punctuation that you've never seen before, you know, you can't just read that and then forget about it. You need to take the time to write it down or look it up, um, put it to paper and like really revise it and study over it. That's how we learn. We can't just ignore things that we come across. Um, So half the battle of learning is actually just remembering what you've learned. So if you're not putting pen to paper and you're relying on your brain to store all of that information, you're going to be very disappointed um, and you're not going to be primed to sit your exam because putting pen to paper is definitely the best way to go about it. You can type the information, you can keep it in a file, um, but actually the best way to store memories and learning is to write it down physically. Um, So what I really recommend doing is sitting down after a study session, whether it's a tutoring session with me or whether it's just an individual study session on your own, whatever it is, sit down and do an after study reflection. So this is really helpful because it allows you to consider what you've learned as well as you know, what didn't make sense, what was challenging, and any questions that you have from that study session as well. Don't let those questions just pass you by. You need to write those questions down and find a particular time to address them. Otherwise, you will not address them and you will not learn from that. So make sure you write everything down. Um, If you're studying as well as part of tutoring homework, writing these things down, um, reflecting, and then passing them on to me um, on a separate sheet as part of your homework or telling me verbally at the start of every class, that is also really helpful um, because um, it gives me a lot of insight as well into how the study is actually going at home and what can we do together to make sure that you are on the right track and that you're getting um, all of the study in that you basically need to be. Um, so my next tip for ESL students um, or even just native English speakers as well, if you're struggling, is to get a tutor or make it a priority to study with other people. So if you're attempting to sort of learn the ins and outs of a foreign language all on your own, you will inevitably become overwhelmed um, because you're intaking a lot of new information. It can be extremely overwhelming, especially when you get confused. It's easy to give up. But if you have other people there supporting you, this becomes a lot easier. So it's extremely important that you set yourself up for success by getting a tutor or having some friends to hold you accountable. Quite often, I'll take some ESL students who only do, you know, maybe one session weekly or fortnightly, um, only because they just need the regular check-in to make sure they're on the right track and to help regulate their study regime. So I'm always happy to facilitate a good study routine. So, you know, if you're needing help 
whether you just want one class a week or you want two classes a week or once a fortnight, whatever it might be, please do get in touch because there's always something that we can do to kind of help your study along at home as well. Um, Another thing that I neglected to mention earlier when I said, you know, record your learning and do those check-ins is that actually when you're doing that, it's almost a bit of a confidence booster as well, because you can look back at your work that you've done a month ago, two months ago, even three months ago, and you can really see the changes that are happening in your learning. And you can think, you know, if you're not doing those check-ins and you're not sort of evaluating your progress, it's really easy to think that you're not going anywhere and that you haven't made any progress. But when you compare your old work to your new work, you would be really, really surprised at how far you've come. So I think doing that is also like a bit of an ego boost, a bit of a confidence booster. So that's another reason why I would really highly recommend making sure to record your work. Um, so it's pretty difficult to fit, you know, lots of tips into just one short podcast, but those would be my top three recommendations. Um, and they can also actually be helpful to native English speakers too, like I've mentioned. Um, but if you're looking for more tips or you need some support, I highly recommend getting in touch so we can share some more suggestions that, you know, specifically fit your needs as an individual rather than these tips, which, which, you know, basically suit everyone. Um, Because as you'll know, the tips that I've sort of talked about today um, are just supplementary and the bulk of study that we cover in our tutoring programs really um, covers you for the questions that you would receive in the land height exam. Not to mention that if you actually are doing tutoring, you'll get things like mock exams and we can really sit down and analyze your answers to those as well. So there's lots that can be done um, in a tutoring session. But if you can't afford tutoring, have a go at those three tips um, and see how you go with that. All right. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll catch you next time. Let us know if you have any questions and feel free to DM us if we can help any further. Bye. Thanks for listening. Follow us on our socials with the handle at Australia Top Tuition to stay in the loop. See you next time.